Blow the horn, let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a selfless thing play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, I just love the sweet smell of cigar smoke in Bryant-Denny in late October, huh? Man, absolutely. But I, I have to tell you that while the 45 to 7 is always a great score, the 52 to 0 would have been a little sweeter. That would have been sweet. And 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 what's funny is the game was unfolding. I was I was, you know, thinking back to the scores that, that we had predicted and and, uh, and you had said 35 to 7 and I had said 52 to 6 and I wasn't sure where they were going to come up with a 6 and turns out an 85 yard pick 6 is about as surprising a score as you can get and and I kept rooting for that last touchdown let's get one more let's get one more so I can win the score but uh but I think you won the score closest without going over yeah but you know what I'm saying man it's it's one of our biggest rivalry games and obviously we've got a nice streak under Saban and you know when you and I were in school there we you know we just wanted to win right we just wanted Peyton Manning to freaking graduate already and and just get a win uh but but in this situation 45 to 7 and 52 to nothing, it just reads totally different on Sunday morning. Yeah, I don't want to age myself, but there was a year in college that uh, that we beat Tennessee 42 to 30, and that felt like a blowout. Yes. <laughs> like that's so, not a blowout. So, so, so this is us being spoiled, right? I mean, I, I'm not yeah. trying to sound spoiled when I say this, but I mean, you know, we could go back and look and see, you know, have we hung 50 on Tennessee while you and I have been following, you know, Alabama football, uh, you know, from the time we were teenagers, and I don't know that we have. And so hanging 50 on the other teams we did is great. That's awesome. But hanging 50 on Auburn or Tennessee, I mean, that's extra. That's extra. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's extra. That's extra good. I, I completely agree. And, and they do seem a little impervious to, to us hitting the, hitting the, you know, the 50 mark. But, uh, you know, and, and kind of along the same the same token, and I, at some point, I don't know if I just become a bad Alabama fan, but was was that the was that the most boring six hundred yard performance you've ever seen? Man, you know, it was it, it just it was just methodical. I mean, like, right. you know, we'll break this down here. You know, big picture, we, or when we go to the offensive side of the ball here in more detail. But you know, it just he's using his weapons. And you see, you see similarities from what the New England Patriots do. And when the New England Patriots, you know, bring in their three tight ends and they incorporate their three tight ends into the offense and they incorporate multiple running backs and, you know, they get a lot of people involved in the game. And, and, right. and, and you see a lot of this. Yeah. And, it just, and, it, and it goes back to what we spoke about, right? It just makes it very hard to stop. And it just it, – you're, you're spreading the field and you don't know where they're coming next. And so now, you know, now you throw the ball to the tight end between the hashes and you're thinking, well, damn, you haven't let him do that for a year and a half. And why are you doing that today against me? Like, why are you deciding right. to do that now? Right, right. Well, break us into offense. You hit a couple of bells there. What uh, what are some things that stood out to you on offense? You know, the, the first thing has to be, um, you know, playing the ball 
with the play action, which we want to see more. We've been asking for more. Um, playing the play action and getting the tight ends involved between the hashes. And, you know, that, that, that right there is something that, as Gary Danielson correctly said, they did not allow him to do last year. Now, right. between you and me, I don't know why they didn't. I don't buy the, you know, I don't buy that he's that much more further along that you can give him the, the leash to do that. I don't buy that because last year you had O.J. Howard. Yeah. No offense to the current tight ends. All the tight ends we have today rolled up in one is not O.J. Howard, you know, where they are right now. That's no disrespect yeah. to Irv Smith and and to Hale and those guys, but but right now, body of work, right? O.J. Howard, last year, why didn't you get him the ball? So now we're getting him the ball, and, and I think it has to be because the offensive coordinator, and it has to be because – he did that, you know. He saw that done when he was on the staff at New England, and and he's just he's slowly just building more and more into this offense. Yeah, I think uh, you hit a couple of a couple of marks there, and I, and I think you're spot on. I think I think you have to look at the offensive coordinator, and you know, sort of enough you know enough said on that necessarily, but uh, I I think you're right. I think the I think the offense is growing and expanding each week, and I have I have sort of been expecting the tight ends to be, to get involved, and uh, and we saw some of that uh, on Saturday. And I thought Irv looked really good with a couple of his passes, and and you know by extension, I you know I think Jalen looked really good delivering the ball. Uh, a lot of those were timing patterns. They weren't. He wasn't waiting for the receiver to break. He wasn't waiting for the receiver to be open. You know, he hit the back of his drop and then released the ball. And that looked very nice. Those strikes down the middle of the field, uh, I like to see more and more in that that incorporated. And, and you talked about sort of the methodical, who's the weapon, where's the ball going to go? You know, again, we saw six different you know running backs in the game, uh, eight different eight different pass catchers, two of which were tight ends and two of which were running backs. I just I continue to love the ball distribution that we're seeing. It's uh, um, it makes it it makes the tide offense incredibly difficult to anticipate and defend no it does and and i will say as you compare this current coordinator and and the scheme they are running you know they are showing more commitment to running the ball right than lane kiffin did and yes. so the play action pass was not something that lane kiffin really incorporated into this offense and right. if you weren't really establishing the run and beating people over the head, averaging 300 yards a game, then you're not going to really be able to do that well at play action. But no offense to Jalen, you and I could have completed those balls to Irv Smith across the middle. It's not a long pass, right? It's much easier than throwing it to the sideline that's a 30-yard sling. If you and I were quarterback and we're rushing for 300 yards a game and we set up the play action – these guys are going to bite, right? I mean, it's going to be there between the hashes. Obviously, you know, it, it's a play that they probably could have done earlier in the season just because of the success they've had running the ball. But this absolutely is a given just due to all the circumstances of, of what this team is doing uh, with their effectiveness on the ground. Yeah, I agree. It is a wrinkle that could have been introduced at a lot of different times. And so, you know, you think about when are when are you going to fold in? You know these these different variances or these different you know opportunities. I think it's one we've intentionally sort of held. It's intentionally one we kind of sat on, 
And and so here we are sort of bringing it out in, in this game. And so I look to see it develop. I look to see it flourish. But, but you know, all the same, it's something I'm glad that we're rolling into the offense. And, and I agree. It's not the hardest pass that, that he's made. But he has demonstrated, Jalen has demonstrated the tendency in not wanting, and this is more mental maybe than physical, but he has demonstrated a tendency in wanting to throw to an open receiver rather than throw open a receiver or throw in anticipation of the receiver being open. Um, It has been much more of see open receiver, throw to open receiver. And, And so I'm glad to see and again, it's small steps, but I, I look at this in some respect. Maybe I'm more generous than you on this, and that's fine. But I, I do see it as an incremental development in this game. Oh, no. I, I don't know that he would have put the ball – okay. Is He is not consistently still putting the ball where he needs to, okay? He consistently threw several balls behind receivers in this game. Yeah made very difficult passes that could have been very easy. Calvin Ridley made him look really good a couple times on passes that we could have had more yards after the catch if he would have thrown the ball where it needed to be. No, that's fair. But on on these throws across the middle, he put them right where he should have been. So my point is, is it's just an easier throw for a quarterback because you're going 10 yards over the middle. Yeah that are 20 yards to the sideline, you know, or 20 yards down the field to the sideline, which is now a 40-yard pass. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And so – Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think I think it's it's the, more the timing of when we've rolled things out, and, uh, and, and I may be sort of playing too heavily into this being evolution as opposed to this being just when we're rolling out this wrinkle. So well, that's- well, another thing, too, you know how they always talk about getting the quarterback confidence early in games, you know, getting young quarterbacks confidence? Yep. I would see this as a like something to bring out of your bag of tricks early because yes. you are running the ball so well. This would be like something I would try like with some of his first few passes just to get him in a, in a rhythm. Like, yeah, every game. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's fair. And and and. And along those lines, right, we want to make sure that he's comfortable. A lot of his career, one of the things that we've done to make his comfort to make him comfortable has either been a jet jet sweep. This year, it's more of getting the ball early to Calvin Ridley. Uh, and and historically, over his his playing career thus far, it's been him running the ball. And what's interesting is he only had you know five carries in this game, and there seemed like there were no design runs uh and and so i thought that was an interesting development in this game where i don't know that we're taking it away uh as much as we're just not calling those plays and 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 force is a strong word but uh but having him depend on his pocket abilities a little bit more and again that may be a a forced progression in this game as well well he had five carries for 14 yards, to your point. His longest one of those carries was seven yards. And I dare say, if we go back and look at his stats over his entire career, he's never had – well, I just quickly pulled up this year. Uh, game one, 15 carries, then 10, then 11, then 9, then 10, then 14, then 10, now five. Yeah. So to your point, in game eight – it is half the carries he was having 
in an average game. Right. And tell and me he's had 20 carry games. He he has. And um, this speaks to uh, um, every nothing was nothing seemed to be designed at all to him. And you and I have talked about why do you take a chance of getting him hurt? Mm-hmm. You've got the kind of horses that you have. Most teams are lucky to have two running backs if they're lucky that they would roll out there, much less five. Right. And so, once again, you know, hopefully this is just them getting more comfortable with the weapons around him and saying, you know, we need to preserve him like we're preserving Damien because, you know, he gets knocked out of the game in Auburn and we're screwed. Right. Okay. I don't mean it that way because obviously Tua's done some things, but – He's still a freshman, and you don't want your quarterback knocked out of the game before you go to the SEC championship and change your whole season. Yeah, you don't want to lose. Yeah, you don't want to lose that. I, I completely agree. Um, but but and and it's you know and and one thing that I think is great in in the fact that we're doing this is he's not regressing as a runner. You know that that skill is still there, and if we needed to lean on that, we still could. And so that's great, right? And and so as a defense, and again, how hard is it to defend Alabama? You still have to defend it. And, you know, just because maybe we took a week off doesn't mean that LSU may not see a diet of it, right? And uh, and and he might be just as dynamic as he ever has been um, if that's what we think is needed. We, I uh, say the coaching staff, if we think that's what's needed as part of the game plan. So, Sure, uh, sure. But, but, to your, but to your point that we've said before, right, I mean – we want him to be a pocket passer and we want him to run only when he has to move the chains. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're carrying the ball 10 or 15 times a game, even though you look like you're not getting tired, are you going to be able to sling it 20 to 30 times in a game and run 20 times? Sure. Are you going to be able to throw it as well right. as you would if you didn't run so much? So I just think it, it actually helps him have more success on the field due to the weapons around him if you just kind of let him sit there in the pocket and only run as uh, as last resort. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I think we're I think we're landing same page there. What else on offense stood out to you? Or you know, the, just very just kind of hit a few things. I love the uh, call to Josh Jacobs on the first drive. Yes. Um, you know, just once again, you know, we've talked about this on on the last uh, few shows about, you know, just giving these guys, putting these guys in situations where, you know, where they can be successful. It was interesting how we utilized the the running backs and when we brought them in the game. You know, it, it kind of, there is a pecking order, right? There there is a pecking order to the to the to the to the five deep on the depth chart. Yep. Um, you know, and so we're, we're starting to see more of a rhythm like Najee Harris always comes in when Tua comes in, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I do want to mention real quick is early in the game, we had – well, let me just put the statement out here for you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get your feedback, and then I'll elaborate. Um, I think for the first time this season, from my opinion – I noticed a clear change in the starting wide receivers and Cam Sims and Robert Foster are no longer starters. They they run with the second team. I don't know if you noticed this, but for the first game to me, game eight, 
they were clearly brought in in an obvious situation of we're bringing the twos in. They didn't really rotate with the three uh, freshmen. Uh, Ruggs really wasn't in the rotation with the other guy. I mean, Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy and Calvin Ridley were the starters, and they were consistently the guys. And then later in the game, they worked Ruggs in, and you started seeing Foster and Sims. But Foster and Sims has lost ground to Judy and Smith. Categorically, I will agree with that. Um, and I think that is that has been – an evolution that has been sort of been progressing in that direction. Robert Foster, we've spent time talking about him and, and, uh, and, and why we think, you know, translate that into why we think he's, you know, he's losing ground. Cam Sims, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to bucket him in the same way that I do Foster. Cause I think he did come in early. I think he did contribute. He made a couple of nice, uh, a couple of nice catches. I think he's losing ground sort of individually to some of the freshmen. I'm not yet ready, and I and it's not that I'm disagreeing with you. I'm not yet ready to say that he's fallen completely out of the first wave, but but he but he's slipping. But well, let me let me see a lot of Cam Sims early. Let me say it this way: Cam Sims had one catch for 14 yards. It mm-hmm. was a nice catch. Cam Sims and uh, Foster did not start the game. They were not in the game for, they were not in the game at the beginning of the game for the first couple series. And I want to tell, I want to throw this out to you. Um, I think uh, it's because the freshmen have shown a willingness to get in there and have learned from Calvin Ridley how to block in the running game and Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith, specifically Devonta Smith, can block like a fiend. And I think that they are they are taking some of these moments from this team with a higher emphasis on running the ball because of their ability to block uh, on the edges in the running game. And that's why I think Foster and Cam Sims are losing ground. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think and I, I think there's I think Robert Foster's attitude is probably you know just to call it as I see it, I think that's contributing as well. I think with Cam, it's as much it's as it's as much as the blocking is spot on. I agree with that, and there has there's a want to. With, there's more with physical, the man. There's more physical. No, I know you, ha- but you have to want to do that. And Cam Sims is big enough where he, you know, he ought to be a better. You know, look, Cam Sims ought to be a better blocker than Devonta Smith. He just should, right? Look at him side by side. But if he's not, then it's because he doesn't want to be. Um, I and and I and I do think and and I agree, right? I'm everything you said is right. Also think the athletic upside is higher. And so you start looking at how do we get our most athletic playmakers on the field? Oh, and it just so happens that they're the freshmen. Oh, and it also just so happens that they are willing blockers. I think all of that sort of stacks together. And, and so you mix up that witch's brew, and who do you end up with as the first first four receivers on the on the field? It's the it's the the three freshmen and and Cal. Well, and 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 by the way, I'm not saying anything about what Sims and Foster can't do. Sure, I'm just saying when I would rewind a play four and five times, I would consistently, consistently see uh, Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy running 
a route like it was going to be a pass and the DB had no idea it was a run and they went and locked up on that defender and they drove them five yards down the field. Right. And I didn't right. see it one time. I saw it 10 or 15 times. No, I, and, and again. So, so, so I'm not calling out the other guys. I, I just want to be clear, right? I'm just saying that that it was like it was so much that you would notice it, right? And right. Devonta And Devontae Smith, very quickly, what is so key about this, in my opinion, is he is not getting the opportunities in the passing game that Judy is getting. I agree. Ruggs is making the most of his opportunity with one catch. But to Devonta Smith's credit, which is why I'm pointing this out, I wish I had taken the time to count the number of snaps that he got on the field versus the other wide receivers. I would dare say that he probably got – Within just a couple snaps on the field of Calvin Ridley, the the go-to guy, and he didn't have a ball thrown at him. Right. He he is he is the epitome of your mini game ball. He he basically has said, "I have found a way to get on the field," and he was on the field all the time, and the ball was never thrown his way. But right. he still did his job, which is just awesome. Well, and I, and I think you hit I think you hit sort of a nail there. Is you know, Saban is in a position because these guys are so talented that he can say, look, you're going to do the little things, right? Do the little things right. That's what that's Saban, right? And so you've got these guys that are doing the little things right. And they have such upside potential that, you know, it's it puts Saban in, a, in a, an easier position to be highly principled on the matter of if you're not willing to block, you're not going to play. And yes. these guys are out there. You know, throwing the blocks, catching the balls, and the and you know, especially in the person of rugs, scoring touchdowns. Uh, and Devonta is is putting in the putting in sort of the the work work part of it, and he's not getting the the sort of the benefit of it. But he, that'll come. That will only come as he continues to see the field. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, tell me, tell me something that jumped out for you on offense. You know, I thought. Uh, and, you know, and again, you're right. I think there's a pecking order with the running backs. But we did see Brian Robinson in early, and he only had three carries, uh, you know, on the game. But he was in much, much earlier, which I thought was was interesting. And he came in just for a play or two and then, and then went back and then, you know, and then was sort of back in his regular rotation. But I thought it was interesting to see him in early. And I think that plays to a little bit of the, the – uh, the coaching staff looking at the what does each player do do the best? What do they do well? And we want to tailor plays to what they do well and almost have sort of sub packages. And so I think that there was just I think there was a play call there where we were trying to get, you know, you know, Brian uh, on the field. And so, you know, we did. And he was out there with with another uh, running back, which we're seeing more of that with with the two running backs. I think that's going to be interesting and compelling as we start to see wrinkles there. I thought, I thought that was a little interesting. And, you know, we talked about Irv. I, I wanted, you know, I just want to call out Tua. And every time he steps on the field, he does something that's that's pretty darn impressive. And what's interesting is he actually did have a couple called runs, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise and made some really nice moves uh, with uh, with the ball. But his pass to, to Ruggs, and I swear I don't think, Saban wanted to score that touchdown, 
Um, I think if if we were, if we weren't pressed to get a third down, and if Tennessee weren't actually covering the receivers so well, it's almost like their their ability worked against them, right? If they weren't if they weren't able to if they hadn't kept us from getting first downs on the ground, and they hadn't covered well enough that it sort of created uh, a helter skelter type field, then I don't think we throw. I don't think we go. I don't think we're I don't think we're in the market for a 60-yard touchdown there, right? It's just the play, the way the play sort of unfolded, that's what was available. And so Tua on the move through just a beautiful strike to Ruggs, that was fun to see. No, it was, man. I, 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 have, to, I, I have to disagree with you a little bit on, on the intent there. Okay. Um, just because I, I, I do – first of all, I think the Tua running – is your comment where you say let's put it on tape? I think they just yeah. wanted to show on tape that that Tua can do this. Yes, but his pass to Rugs, it was third and fifteen, and it was at the Alabama forty. And 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 by the way, you know Brian Robinson had he Brian Robinson got his got his carries on that drive. And so basically, you know, first and 10, 23 yard line, seven minutes left. Brian, you know, mm-hmm. has a nice nine yard carry, Dave. And then the very next down, he has 13 yard carry. Mm-hmm. And so now you're sitting here, first and 10 at the Alabama 45. Well, after Tua loses some yards and Brian gets a one yard carry, you got the third and 15. I'm thinking they're just going to, you know, do a draw. They're going to hand the ball off to Brian again because they've handed the ball off to Brian now three of four plays. Mm-hmm. And they're at the 40-yard line. And to your point, there's four minutes and, what, five minutes left in the game. And and to your point, they're up 38-7. to seven And, you know, Saban's – he's happy with that. It's, it's Tennessee. But on that play, when you watch it on TV – and they have that lovely camera in the sky that lets you see behind the quarterback like you're the quarterback, it makes me dispute kind of that comment because we we kept seven guys in the block. We only sent three guys into the pass pattern. They only sent four guys to rush the quarterback. So we had seven guys to block four. Right. And we gave Tua all day – by design, we wouldn't have sent seven guys in there if we were not trying to give, you know, make certain nobody hit him, right? And it's third and 15, so you need longer, a longer time in the pocket for the play to develop. Well, then when you watch it on tape, you see that the Tennessee guys was in a zone, and they had seven guys dropped, man. They had seven guys dropped, but they underestimated the athleticism of rugs. Because Ruggs was on the far right. He basically had faked out to the right sideline, and he starts cutting across the field, and the Tennessee guys don't even really know where he is. A safety behind him in a two-deep look sees him, and he starts running to take an angle to try to get there, but because he's 40 pounds heavier, he just barely gets there late. And, and, and Ruggs, you know, and the ball's thrown perfectly where it needs to be. And so my point is, is I literally think it was, hey, let's see what the kid can do. It's another situation. It's third and 15. It's Tennessee. We're going we're gonna to leave a lot of guys in to protect you. We're going to put these three freshmen in the pass patterns and see what they can do. 
And we're going to see if somebody can get a first down on third and 15 against Tennessee. Well, of course that, we're trying to – no, of course we're trying to get the first down. We weren't trying to score a 60-yard touchdown. No, and, no, no. And two it threw the ball on the move. And so that that was a long-developing play. That play went, you know, helter-skelter because it was it was so long-developing. It wasn't a, a, a five-step drop, throw the ball out, get the first down. That was sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket. The pocket starting to starting to collapse. This this roll, let's roll out, and 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 it looked like he was going to run because he was approaching the line of scrimmage, and he saw, you know, rugs break free, and that's that's when he that's when he threw the ball threw the ball. So no, I think we would have we would have happily gotten the first down and then run the ball for the next three plays, and Saban would have been happy as a lark to to take a knee with the clock running out on the two-yard line. That's – I think that's really more my point. I don't think he – I don't mm. – I, I, I think that – I think that in that situation, you you don't throw the ball where he threw it if you weren't trying to make a big play. That's all. I, I think that – I think that – But it was the, a helter-skelter field. That wasn't – that wasn't – that wasn't a designed rollout throw the – you know, get the ball out. That wasn't a five-step drop, pop the ball, you know, pop the ball out. That was sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, roll out because I'm starting to get a little bit of pressure, and then and then throw the ball when it's at that point a broken field. Okay. I don't I don't think he had that much pressure. Uh my 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 recollection is he was sitting in the pocket and he was pretty comfortable because he had seven guys blocking. And when you look at the seven guys that dropped back in the pass uh, in the coverage, they had the field blanketed, and and they were kind of uh, evenly distributed in the secondary. It was just a great play by Rugs. I mean, I, I mean, my point is, my point is, three receivers running a pass pattern with seven guys dropping. Three somebody shouldn't get open with three guys uh, in the pass pattern with seven guys covering. Sure. Oh, I agree. And I so, agree. And, I don't so speak that. and so. And so I just think that if you're trying to let Tua get the first down, which surprised me, you do a different pass route than the one they called. You do a sideline pass, you know, you you run past the first down marker and you come back to the sideline or something. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's a safer pass you could have thrown to try to get third and 15. It seemed to me like they were taking a shot because it was a it was a difficult there's there's safer calls on third and fifteen to try to get a first down than the one that they called. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So it yeah. just kind of no, surprised me. I don't, you know, it's hard to know what route they were running originally because you know, again, it's sort of what helter skelter. But right. But, um, well, right. what did you what, what did you think about? Interestingly enough, you know, Najee comes in with Tua, and when Najee came in, you know, he literally, you know, I had several. You know, plays in a row called for him, like four or five in a row. It was just interesting. They were like, "Okay, it's his time now," and then they just kept fetting the ball over and over and over again. Yeah, I think they were trying to. You know, Saban has said that he they'll he'll stick with the hot hand, and it was almost like we're trying to get Najee the hot hand. Let's let's get him a touchdown against these guys. Let's get him, you know, some big plays. Let's uh, let's sort of feed that, and and he had some nice runs. Uh, there was, you know, one or two that I thought he was close to breaking. I, I think we wanted, I think we wanted him to break one. <laughs> is, is what I really think. And I thought, you know, and and he comes in and and like we've talked about, he's as talented as 
as as the starters are. He just doesn't have you know the experience, and so he's still a top flight running back. I thought it was neat to see Tua in there, like at the controls of the you know the starting lineup. Um, I like to see him get that experience. Well, well, it was interesting, right? That that you know Jalen comes in to start the second half, right? Mm-hmm. Saban's not happy with the you know what had happened in the first half. He wants to get a rhythm. Jalen comes in. They go 76 yards. They score. He's done for the day, right? I mean, yeah. once again, once again, what we're seeing, you know, the starting quarterbacks coming out of the game with, you know, two minutes left, two minutes into the third quarter, you know, we, we would have shouted for this 10 years ago, right, to right. get this much work to the backup. So to your point, when Tua comes in, Najee runs the first time. And then I found it very interesting. The next two p- plays, they throw the ball to Najee. It was almost like they were trying to either A, see what we can work in for you later in the season. It was like an audition. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's run your right, run your left, and pass to you in the flats here and pass to you there and see what you can do, you know, so we can kind of, you know, figure it out for next time, uh, which was interesting. Um, I want to mention Tua's interception real quick because sure. we, we do call it straight here. A couple different things. That was totally his fault. Yep. Um, Hell was hell was wide. Excuse me, not hell. Irv Smith was was wide open, um, uh, on the flats there at the goal line. Uh, Tua should have just thrown the ball to him. Uh, he purposely held the ball to get the ball to Ridley. Why I don't know. Ir- Irv was wide open, and he, he just should have hit him. It'd have been an easy touchdown. And instead, he just kept his eyes on Calvin, allowed the middle linebacker to watch his eyes and make the play. Um, and so that was uh, that was frustrating. Well, it, it, it was. Frustrating is the wrong word, David, but it's just, you know, that there's my 52 to nothing right there. <laughs> it, it quite, you know, quite likely it, it is. I think that as, as much as I wish it had not happened, I think – I think that I think that touchdown was, I think that touchdown and that interception was worth more to us than it was to Tennessee. Yes. Uh, and as much as Tennessee didn't want to get blown out and as much as, you know, they got to sort of bask in that big play, I think what Tua gained from that experience is worth more than, you know, sort of the fleeting joy that Tennessee got from it. And and Look, I, I never root against our guys, and I'm never rooting for the team for our opponent to have success. Some of these lessons you wish, you know, won't they just learn during the week in, in practice? But some of these lessons that they learn on that the players learn on the field, like this, you know, ma- having made a mistake, a mistake, those are the ones that they carry with them, and that's the play for, for all the positive plays that we can call out on Tua. This is the one that he thinks about when he lays down and goes to bed at night, right? And and I'm not rooting him for him to have like bad things to think about, but this that is the play that will make him better. And yes. I always, you know, my favorite example of that is is D Milliner and and giving up, you know, he just got scorched against Arkansas for, you know, a big touchdown. Well, he came back and was an All-America, and I'm to this day convinced that he spent a lot of time thinking about that Arkansas play, and he spent a lot of time, you know, dedicating himself to not letting that happen again. And it's that it was the bad play that allowed him to be a good player. And I, you know, I think Tua 
is going to have a very similar experience. I, I think I think we'll replace my example with Tua's, you know, INT against Tennessee. Were you were you surprised that he didn't get laid into on the sideline the way the way we would you know we we saw an AJ McCarron type of deal? I was surprised that that he really, you know, I, I just was surprised the cameras kind of zoomed in as he went to the sideline and. You know how Saban is about ball control and protecting the ball. I guess it's no different than last year with Jalen because Jalen, you know, Jalen had some careless plays and he didn't really get chewed out either. So either Saban's getting softer in his old years, or you know, he, he's just you know he's just he's just handling the situation differently than he would have years ago. I think it's more of the latter. I think that I think Saban is. And, and it seems like there's been some interviews and, and he's talked about this, uh, you know, in, in the, you know, maybe it was in the off season, but that, you know, as he has evolved and, and developed as a coach, and I think he still consciously looks for opportunities to improve himself and, and how he leads and coaches the team. I think that he has an understanding or appreciation that different players in different circumstances need to be coached differently. And I don't know that earlier in his career he, you know, he would have sort of bought into that. But I think he does now, and I'm, I'm and and you know, and I, and I, I say I think he does because I've heard him say it. Uh, that that that's sort of his approach, and so I think he looks at I've got a true freshman here that I can break his spirit, or I can pat him on the back and say, you know, we need to work on this, and but but. I don't do it in a way that that's belittling. I don't do it in a way that maybe he might struggle with. And I'm not calling to a you know not mentally strong, but but I I just think I just think you know different strokes for different folks, different circumstances you know call for different things. Uh, and and I think coach is trying to coach the individual rather than just everyone like they're the same. I got you. All right, what what else, what else jumps out at you on offense? I I know Ronnie, you know Ronnie Clark even got into the action. Uh, what what else jumped out at you that you wanted to comment about? You know, I love seeing Ronnie Clark get in the uh, get into the game. That's always a good sign, right? Right. <laughs> Bama's had a good day when Ronnie Clark steps in. Right. Uh, I like to see that. I was hoping that he would you know score th- score a touchdown. That didn't happen. I like seeing just a big jumbo package. Uh, a couple of times when Bo scored and, and went over the top, we made no pretense of doing anything, you know, but, you know, powering powering the football and, you know, brought in, you know, Quinnen from defense, brought in Deron Payne from defense, brought in, you know, Jedrick Wills. You know, there were no receivers on the field. It was all, you know, tight end running back or, you know, or extra linemen, defensive linemen, you know, sort of playing fullbacks. I, I was – Really, I, I thought that was really fun to see. And uh, Tom, what do you think? Are we going to see a naked bootleg out of that formation at some point? Oh, I think we could, man. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned this because I will say on Bo's first uh, touchdown that Quinton Williams did not kick out the guy to the right uh, that that should have been his block. Mm-hmm. He blocked down, and the guy grabbed Bo's legs. You know, he flew around and grabbed him by the legs. And when when Kenning came in on the next, you know, when Quinning came in on the very next uh, jumbo package, this time he kicked the guy out to the right, and and he blocked the guy, and it allowed Bo to to be able to to get a push off the, you know, off the field and and be able to get up higher in the air, 
Mm-hmm. And so that was just a neat little nuance that on two little plays, one play he didn't block the right guy, the very next play he did. He did, yeah. So that was that was uh that was good to see. But I do think that we could see the naked bootleg um in that situation, I'd be okay with it, right? Because the game's on the line. You're gonna pull that out of your, you know, bag of tricks in a in a tight game. And um he's gonna be wide open and no one's gonna be within five yards from him, so you don't have to worry about him getting hurt. Right. No, I think that'll be fun to see. I think that's something we'll definitely have to have to watch for. You know, I think uh I think we used pace and, and tempo well. You know, we scored the early touchdown, I think at three punts in a row, and then we went to a, a little bit of a, a faster pace uh, offense and and uh, had some great success there, put uh you know two more quick scores up before half. So again, I like I like us using all the levers and knobs and and buttons on the offensive control panel. Uh, I really like to see what uh, Dayball's uh, doing, and and not just you know, hey, what's he gotten you know, sort of the first fifteen play scripts, but how does he adjust and evolve the offense through the course of the game? I think that's fun to I, I think that's fun to watch. Not that I like to see a struggle, but I think it's fun to watch, and um, it bodes well for the balance of the season. Oh, it does, man. And at one point, you know, we only had one three-play drive. Uh, you know, we only had one three and out the whole day. And at one point, you know, uh, they were talking on the TV broadcast, of, you know, about, you know, Alabama had run 70 plays and Tennessee had run 30. And it was, you know, it was in the third quarter, and it must have been after Jalen uh, took the team down the field to score. No, I beg your pardon. It was uh, – it was after Tua's long drive that ended with the interception. At that point, Tennessee had only had the ball for three plays in the whole second half. Right. And, you know, you just couldn't script it any better. Right. Um, as, as, you know, as far as that goes. Well, my mini game ball uh, obviously goes to Devonta Smith for the reasons I laid out earlier. So, uh, so give me, give me yours. Who do you, who do you, who do you want to give one to? You know, I've got two guys kind of circled here. I'm, I'm going to go Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, he had three catches. They were all for – they all went for first downs on scoring drives. Uh, I just – I think he is emerging more and more into that lead receiver role, and and that's sort of fun to watch. All right, and I got so, I got I to tell you real quick as you say that, right? Yeah. For the non-Alabama fans, okay, if you were watching that game on Saturday – with a couple of his catches, and you told the non-Bama fan, and he said, hey, what number is Calvin Ridley? And you told him or her Calvin Ridley was number four, <laughs> yeah. they would they would believe you. Yes. There was a couple catches he made, man, that it looked just exactly like Calvin Ridley. And that's just really scary. That's not scary for us. It's scary for for our opponents. But no, I but, yeah. I, I, but you but know, if you up if this you, home stretch, I think we're going to see more and more of him. You know, nestled into the game plan and really see the you know these premier talents really sort of play off one another. I think that's going to be exciting. Well, I think what they should start doing is they should just trade jerseys at the start of the game. But you know, in the locker room, <laughs> just trade the three and the four, and just screw with like half the fans in the stadium. I think that'd be hilarious. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's flip the field on that one. All right. So, um, so you know, defensively, you know, I, I guess from for me, just you know, I first want to just call out Bugs, just you know, just because 
of, I mean, he led the stat sheet. I mean, you know, everybody saw the stats, you know, nine tackles on the day. Um, you know, once again, Saban scores with a Juco transfer and just, and, you know, at one pl- one time he got banged up and, you know, Anthony Jennings came over and asked him if he was okay. He obviously had taken a shot. You know, he sat there on his knee for a second. He got up, he hustled off the field. He was in the very next series. He's going to be one of these guys where you always talk about every year we have to have a certain – there has to be key players that get inserted into this cog of talented depth. And this is a guy that nobody knew about last year. But right this second, you would have to say he's in a handful of guys that that without him, um, this is a very different football team. Oh, yeah. You know, we talked about do we have the depth on the defensive front that we had last year. And that, that was a big question mark. And and two of the greatest, you know, contributors to to answering that question are, you know, and Isaiah Bugs is at the top of the list, right? Because we because he wasn't on the team last year. And so you don't know what you got here. And then and then Raekwon, who also had a strong day. Uh, you know, he only played sparingly last year. And so you didn't know what you didn't know what he was going to be this year. And and both of these guys continue every week, get better and better. And I'll say this about Bugs, you know, he you know, I agree. He led the he led, you know, the team in tackles. It's not the first time he's done that. And but but was it AM where he was very, very active and he, he just jumped off the screen. That he was the dominant, you know, defensive lineman on Saturday against Tennessee, he was equally as productive, but he didn't he didn't pop in the same way, and and I don't and I don't mean that as a negative. I actually mean that as as a positive. That that he is just going to work, and at the end of the day, look at his totals. He's going to stack up against anybody, and it may not be as flashy week to week because it's a defensive lineman position. It's not always going to be. But it doesn't prevent him or preclude him from being productive. And that makes him an especially fun player to watch. No, it it does. But what is so key and critical (laughs) right now for his role on this team is we are going to a look a lot of times of two down linemen. Yes. Just two defensive linemen with their hands in the dirt. And Saban currently has the comfort level that you will see uh, Deron Payne not on the field as one of those two guys. And so so my point is, is that Deron's getting a little, you know, he's getting a little um, a little lighter load, and you'll see uh, Bugs in there with Raekwon Davis, or you'll see Bugs in there with one of the younger guys, or you'll see Bugs in there with Frazier or whatever. Yeah. And then you'll see Deron Payne with a LeBron Ray. So my point is, is, is right now, you always see one of those two guys in there, you know, pain or bugs, and that just speaks to the comfort level they have with bugs. It really does, and and it also speaks that we're comfortable sort of rotating, so we don't have to always feel like we have to have our best three in there all the time, and we can't do anything without those three in there because we've rotated, you know, we've developed – uh, you know some depth, and and LeBron Ray's another guy. I wrote it. I wrote his name down because you know we asked the question, and you know we gave our perspective in terms of an answer. But we asked the question a couple of weeks ago. Hey, we stripped off his red shirt. Is is 
are we going to get our value for this? And man, it looks like we are. And so that's, I, I'm, it's, I'm fun. You know, I always say this, it's fun to watch that, but I'm very pleased to see that as well. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I, I will tell you, you just, you just made a, a critical point when you were talking about the, you know, not having to have our three best guys out there, you know, Last year on a team that had, you know, more depth, we would say, than than this year's team, I, I don't think that that was the case. We we consistently, right, had a lot of snaps to a couple key guys on defensive line. Right. We did not give – we did not – I mean, it goes back to what we talked about with the running backs this year and the wide receivers this year and, and you know, the linebacker core. And, I mean, it's just interesting that – that we are comfortable it shows the development that's being done in practice or either it just shows the talent level of these guys because i guess what i'm saying is last year we wouldn't have seen a lebrian ray in the game last year we would have we would have seen you know the dalvin thomason and we would have seen the jonathan allen and we'd have seen one more guy but i don't think we'd have seen ray last year if he was a true freshman but yet we're seeing him this year it's just interesting well, it is, and, and Raekwon's, you know, Raekwon's a good sort of proxy for that because he didn't play a lot last year, and and, and you know, over the course of the season, he probably played more last year than you know, LeBron has now. But you know, check back, you know, check back, you know, let's check back at that at the end of the year, and I think the play count will be surprisingly similar. But Brian will have done that in more of a compact time frame which means, you know, he's developing and being trusted with, you know, a larger capacity. So, um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you about one other thing. Um, it, it also seems in this game for the first time, we have more of a comfort level uh, sending Levi Wallace on a blitz than, than we have before. Um, you know, we've been typically just see, seeing uh, seeing Mika from the you know from the star position, but Levi obviously you know got him two sacks in the game, and that was because of the opportunities of sending him at the very last minute from the short side of the field, which is obviously a shorter distance to the quarterback. Um, we have not seen that all season like we saw in this ball game. No, and and I lo- I love you know I mean Levi Wallace is such a phenomenal story. Uh, I love the fact that that you know we were able to to use him in that way. I do think there's something to putting you know putting stuff on film, but I think that also that it was an unexpected source of pressure. And if you think about you know Tennessee playing a young, inexperienced quarterback, and to to get pressure from somewhere that that Alabama has not demonstrated it, we have seen. Minka blitz and we've seen from the wide side of the field. Yes. Um, yeah. And we've seen, you know, secondary blitzes, but, but it's never been Levi. You can count on it not being Levi except for two sacks. It is Levi. Well, it goes like, it goes like what we were talking about with the tight end across in the hash on offense. Right. You're pulling something yet again, right? It's like, don't you have everything on film that you're going to put on film and then they put something else on film. Right. Well, look. Let's. I mean, let's call it out. Right. Remember when when we did the A and M show. Right. We were very complimentary of the A and M coaches for picking things out. Well, I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn, but 
did we not just do the same thing? Well, we did, but as you like to say, to put a bow on something, what makes that work for Levi Wallace, and by the way, he would be right in the number one wide receiver's face at the line of scrimmage, and at the very last second, he took off. Right. Very hard to pick up. The only reason that worked in this ball game is because you have a beast at safety named Ronnie Harrison. Yes. Who at the very last second can shade over and get in front of the number one wide receiver for the other team. And you're comfortable because you say, okay, I've got Levi going from the short side of the field. He's going to get to the quarterback quicker. Ronnie Harrison doesn't have to cover the number wide receiver 30 yards down the field because the ball, because he, because it, it's not going to take that long for Levi to get to the quarterback. Right. Ronnie, Ronnie can be physical, right? He can he can man him in those first five yards and he can just and he can just basically take him where he wants to take him. It's just such a smart design, but it only works because you've got a freak of a safety who you are comfortable putting on the number one wide receiver for the three seconds until Levi gets to the quarterback. Yes. yes. Yeah. If if you did not have a strong cover corner or a strong, you know, cover safety, then you couldn't do it. I wouldn't do that with Hootie. I, you know, I wouldn't do that with Hootie. I wouldn't right. do that. You know, we've had other safeties that I wouldn't do that with. But Ronnie is, which is amazing because his he has a reputation as being a as, as being a thumper, which he is. But he is sneaky good in coverage. There were several times in this game that he had to get matched up at the very last minute against Callaway, and um, you know Callaway only had three catches on the ball on the day. And so even when they had the matchups that they wanted uh, because of the scheme, they, you know, they weren't able to do anything about it. So I just thought that was interesting. No, I, you're spot on. And, and, you know, it's like you called out, you know, A&M tried to, tried to match, you know, Kirk against them. And right. that didn't work out as well as it would, as you would think it would on paper. And, and that's just a testament to, to Ronnie and poor guy can't earn him any game ball. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you got one for him today, but I mean, we're, t- <laughs> I mean, the, he, those are contrary, you know, talk about contributions that are being made that people don't see. Yes. That's, 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 people what don't that see that. Good. People don't see that, man. Right. Well, talk, talk to me about, uh, Max interception. I just want to point it out just because it was a very athletic play. I mean, obviously the ball was thrown right at him and a lot of people drop the balls that are thrown right at them. Right. And, uh, I just love his hands. I mean, I just, you know, I just love this guy. I mean, there's a reason this guy got some time at fullback last year. Uh, it doesn't yep. surprise me what he's doing, uh, but just, uh, just, just very athletic play, just phenomenal. And and he made an athletic, you know, interception last week that that we talked about, and then you know to come in and and make this one on Saturday. So that's two weeks in a row that he's made very athletic interceptions, and uh, this one bailed out uh, the punt fumble. And so there's something about. To, to me, there's a little something extra in making a big play in that type of circumstance where you're really bailing the teammate out, really bailing the, the team out, if you will. Um, I, I, I get a kick out of the, those types of, of plays and, and doing it in those type of, types of circumstances. Yeah, I'm all about some, some Mike Wilson. Well, and, you know, it comes at Keith's expense, right? Because if you're going to make those kind of plays, you're, you're going to get more – 
opportunities. You know, Keith's still getting his, but you're going to get more opportunities in that in that third down package when you know you've got now three picks on the year. Yeah, Mac, and yeah, you will, and and Max and you know be increasingly hard to keep off the field. You know, th- there was a day where you might say, "Well, he's still learning the playbook," and that day go, you know, that day goes away, and because the reality is, his athleticism has always been more, uh, and so when the day goes away that he doesn't know the playbook or he's still learning the playbook, then watch out, right? Because he's he. You know, he's going to get all the playing time he can handle. No, absolutely. Well, uh, anything else added to you on the defensive side of the ball? I, um, you know, for, we talk about a lot of guys, and Anthony Jennings is just a stat, a stat sheet stuffer. I, just three quick hitters, right? We talked uh, Jennings there. You were spot on. Jamie Mosley, I was watching him, you know, has earned that starting role in the rabbit rusher. That was fun to see. And uh, and what do you think? Uh, Vandarius Cowan, uh, we burned his red shirt on Saturday. I have to say I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, I'm not really I'm not really sure about that one. What what do you think was I mean I mean, I understand, you know, if you feel like you need to get people on the field, you need to get them on the field, but you know, I, I didn't I did I didn't see that one just just given the, the current situation. Uh, of the depth that we have in in front of him, you know, why why do you think that one? I don't know. I don't. That one surprises me so much more than the than any of the others. Uh, you know, you could, you know, Major Tennyson hasn't played a whole lot, but we stripped his red shirt, and you know, and and you know, the other tight end, Kedrick James. You know, we did the same thing, and and you think, well, it's because we lost. Uh, um, you know, we lost, a, you know, a tight end for the season. And so we had to see who could uh, – Miller forestall. And so we had to see who could come in and and man the position. That makes sense. We take LeBron Ray's uh, off early, you know, or I'm sorry, you know, later into the season, but it's because Deshaun Hand went down. And so there was, there was sort of a tit for tat on that. And, and you think, well, we've gotten past where we had five linebackers out and we've got guys coming back. And so you feel like we're pretty flush at linebacker. We you don't need to take anybody's redshirt off, and and then we did. So, well, and, and to your and to your point, um, we did it at the expense of when we brought in you know the twos to run. We brought him in with Chris Allen, and so he he came in uh, at the same time Chris Allen did, and. And Dave, we didn't really see much of Joshua McMillan or Mika Brown, and so you wonder you wonder why not them? Yeah, I don't I don't know, right? Because they've they have all played, and and you thought you know Josh McMillan was sort of earning a role, and and and, and Mickey hasn't played a lot in a couple of weeks, and you think well that's because. You know we've gotten guys back and we haven't needed them, and so you think, and and you know the answer is there has to be a lot going on in practice that we're not seeing because if he wasn't ready, he wouldn't be out there, and if he weren't practicing at a at a level that you know maybe was starting to put him ahead of so you know sometimes things just when they click they click, and so maybe they just started to click for this guy, and you know like we just talked about with Mac, and so maybe 
when that light goes on, you, you can't keep them off the field. And so th- this will be a very interesting one to watch because to me, this feels more like a D liner situation than the LeBron Ray did. So this is one I think we need to keep a close eye on. Well, I think LeBron Ray is a different animal because yeah. he is he is taking snaps away from Quinn and Williams. Right. Well, he, he, I mean, he, he I mean, is. my point is he he got more snaps in the game than Williams did, and so so and nothing against Williams, but but Brian is Brian's getting eight eight to ten snaps a game. No, he is, and I don't know that Quinnen was is was or sort of is at that at that point. And and what we needed is someone to to be a sponge and soak up some of the snaps that that Deshaun Handel was getting. And and so you can sit there and and in a coaching staff meeting and say, Quinn's not ready to get that jump from three to nine. What a snap, whatever the conversation is, right? But LeBron can come in and they can both get four, five, six, seven, you know, that kind of deal. Uh, and then, and then LeBron has proven that, you know, maybe he can, you know, even assume more than that, but, but you can, you can connect, there's a connective tissue that you connect that you can draw back to. There's an immediate need. An immediate need is Deshaun Hands not available. And we don't know. And then, like I said, in the moment when he got hurt, you didn't know if he was not going to be back for the season. And it turns out he's going to play, you know, when when we take on LSU. But but in the moment, you didn't know. And so it's got to be next guy up now. It's on the job. Are you ready to do this? And And, and that made perfect sense. There's not that smoking gun, if you will, on Vandarius. What what do you what is your take on the Dylan Moses situation as it relates to that same conversation? Well, I'd see it's not interesting, right? Because we've seen less of him and it makes you wonder it makes you wonder what's going on there. And and you know, and you know, it's like who who's on first, right? I just want to go back and and you know, makes you wonder about you know you know Ben as well. Why? Well, you know, well I started to say by the way. So in practice today, right with the inside linebackers. So Rashawn Evans led the group, followed by Sean Dion Hamilton, mm-hmm. and then Keith Holcomb, and then Dylan Moses, and then Benton, and then Ben Davis was going through the drills through, during the media time with the inside linebackers. Behind Benton was Ben Davis. Yeah. So, so well down, well down the list, right? And, and, and back and back to your Cowan comment, Cowan. <laughs> it was Jennings, Mosley, Mika Brown, Joshua McMillan, Christopher Allen, and then Cowan. Yeah. So Cowan's running behind Brown and McMillan in the drills, and Brown and McMillan didn't see the field. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know, right? And so it just feels like LeBron Ray felt natural because. You know, I mean, like literally you saw what happened and you, you know, you recognize, hey, there's a need here. We need to figure out how we plug it. LeBron Ray, there just didn't seem that that same level of obviousness between, you know, behind bringing in Vandarius. And I'm not mad at the guy and I hope, you know, I hope he's I hope he's great. I just is as, as somebody from the stands watching. I don't understand it. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not the right move. It's just I don't understand it. And so because I don't understand it, it feels more like like the D-liner thing. I didn't understand that. And then 
he played what three snaps and didn't didn't play again. And, and interesting, Lund, <laughs> am I just nuts or was that the Tennessee game as well? Right. Well, I will make a I will make a prediction here that because of the opportunity in the bye week and having the extra practice time, I think we will have a Ben Davis sighting uh, after the bye. Okay. I th- I think I think we will see him on the field folded into things here, you know, at the end of the season. We we will see him pop up uh in some special team situation uh later this season. All right. I don't know where so. you're getting your information, but <laughs> <laughs> tell me tell me uh who gets your mini game ball. I you know, I'm going back to the well, same as last week. Uh Deontay Thompson uh gets mine. Oh, you know come on. Really? Yeah, he had you know he had three tackles, but he came in and was and just was a sticker. And there was one, there you can't was do one the same guys. While I'm saying that, nothing against Deontay, but you can't. No, do no, it. I understand that. No, there there was one thing that just you know there was one series that really just stood out to me. And on back to back plays, he was playing at the single high safety. Uh, I'm sorry, it was two high safety on back to back plays. From a too high safety position, he made the tackle at the line of scrimmage. And on one play, uh, it, it was a run to the right, and the next play was was uh, a play to the left. And so, from a from a a too high safety position on consecutive plays, he made tackles at the line of scrimmage, and it was to both sides both sides of the line that. I thought was very impressive. And so I don't know if it's a mini game ball because that was a sort of a, a subtle thing that sort of contributed to the win, or if that is just me doubling down on my futures position on Deontay Thompson. I got you. Well, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the love to Mosley. You know, you kind of, you kind of, you know, touched on it earlier, but this guy is, he was in the game you know, in key moments with the with the ones, just like key short yardage situations, like when when they have a host of other people that they could put as the one of the two linebackers on the edge. It was Jennings on one side and him on the other, and uh, you know, with guys like Ben Davis and and Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses and and all you know, all these five star guys. Uh, just kudos to CJ's little brother, man. Just, yeah. just you know, a cool story like Levi Wallace. No, there were years. I mean, because he because he's been around a while, right? You know, I love Rodney Orr and the Tider Insider, and and I love sort of their preseason. Every day they, you know, they've got a dozen pictures or more, twenty pictures of you know practices and all that. And 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 Jamie Mosley seemed to always sort of be a favorite of that that photo session. And I always thought, God bless Jamie Mosley, and and you know the fact that he's having a chance to. To play, and it was always like one day he's going to see the field. And I thought, man, this Spinley linebacker, I mean, God bless him, he's not gonna, he's it's just not going to happen. And and you know, here we are, these years, these years later, and uh, and he is contributing and has earned, you know, in a in a sub package on defense, he's earned a, a starting position. And I think there's a message there for for you know not just the players on the team, but the, there's a message there for all of us. You know, if you have a dream, sort of stick with it and and continue to work hard and do what you got to do. And, you know, one day, right. And so, you know, Levi Wallace and Mosley and Anthony Averett, there's a handful of these guys. You think of, you think about, 
Alabama and the recruiting machine and the Saban sort of whatever Death Star, but it's real, right? There are real opportunities for people that have come in and will work hard and bust their ass. And even from a walk-on position, we've got now two of them on defense that that are at least in sub packages have starting positions. And if you were to if you were to poll Alabama fans, they would they would not. They would not buy into that. They would. They not. would think you were full of crap. Yes, yes. Well, hey, talk to me about some special teams, man. Did Saban get a lot of sleep Saturday night when he tried his third punt returner and he fumbles too? <laughs> man, I, you know, we predicted it just, just like right, but but wrong. We predicted that that we would see three punt returners in the game. We didn't predict that we would see the third punt returner all game. <laughs> So, but 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 man, I mean, like, and, and when he fumbled, he left him out there. I guess he was like, "Well, gosh, I can't bring one of the other two guys back in, so I'm just gonna leave you out there." But I mean, you know, he's got to just be freaking pulling his hair out, man. It's about time for an audition on the quad. Yeah, I think you know, I think that um, I think they're gonna settle this over the bye. Uh, my prediction is we're back to either. I, I think we're back to Trayvon. Uh, and, and, and this problem is done. That's my prediction that it's sort of solved, uh, for this last stretch of the season. Cause you know, next up, when you think of who have we worked at that position next up really is Minka. I started to say, you see, I should have said, I should have interrupted you sooner. That was going to be my other prediction. We could see a Minka after the bye. I don't think we do. I, but we could. It would be very Saban-like the way Eddie Jackson got brought back into this. And look what Eddie Jackson did. We could absolutely see him say, "Okay, I'm done with this. We're in week. We're in week nine. I'm not going to lose a game, a tight game based on a fumble. Just put Minka's butt back there. We know he'll catch the ball. He'll do what I tell him to do. Done. I could absolutely. That could be a coin toss, fifty-fifty. That that could happen." I, you know, I, as much as I agree that Eddie Jackson is the example here, I think Eddie Jackson's the example the other way too. How much could we have used Eddie Jackson against Clemson, right? Yes. If he had not been back there sort of freelance, you know, sort of moonlighting yes. as, an, as, you know, an all-conference punt returner, we would have had him available to us in the secondary. And wouldn't, at the end of the day, we much have preferred that. Sure, we'd have won the game if Eddie would have been there. Yeah, sure. and so you you think about a uh, about a Minka, and and look, I am on record being a, a big fan of Eddie Jackson, but Minka's contribution to the secondary is more than Eddie Jackson's was. Sure, oh, we can't afford to lose him right now. Right. I'm just saying it's a it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation right now. You've tried three of them. Now I will say this: the only reason you can be patient is because you've been you know throttling people and and right, and, and you've been able to get through it. Yeah. Now I'll say this: if if we find ourselves in a tight game, and it's you know midway through the third quarter, oh, and it's actually a one-score game, or it's Auburn, yeah. or it's you know Georgia in the SEC championship game, you know, sort of projecting out a little bit. We find ourselves in a tight game; the bets are off. We might put him back there and make him fair catch and make him and make him fair catch it, right? Make him fair catch it. <laughs> well. You know, man, I I can't tell you how nervous I'm going to be if we see him back there because he means so much, you know, in in the secondary. But stuff like you know, you can get injured at any time, and I understand that, and so you can't play not to get injured. But at the same time, 
you know. No, that's a great point, man. It's 14 to 7, start of the fourth quarter against Georgia. I could see him back there and he'd just say, fair catch the damn ball. Don't even think about it. Fair catch right. it. Yeah, because that's just the ball. Um, <laughs> anything you know, else on the special teams? Yeah, I mean, I want, you know, I want Trayvon or Ruggs to, to get it sorted out. And, and, and I have nothing against Trayvon. There's just part of me that just thinks it's going to end up being Ruggs, um, you know, at some point, maybe next season. But I think we get it sorted out with those two guys, and uh, and 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 that's who we ride ride with the rest of the way. All right. So J.K. had his two punts, filled up the stat sheet though, because one of them went for 50 yards. You know, on his kickoffs, he was more times than not dropping the ball at the half-yard line so we wouldn't give him a free 25 yards, mm-hmm. making him return the ball, which was nice. What 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 else jumped out at you on special teams? No, I think, you know, I think it was fun to see that because we talked about that, you know, uh, uh, you know, was maybe it was last week, the week before, uh, about using that as an opportunity to sort of squeeze out a little bit of, of uh, you know, extra bit of margin and, and make – you know, make the team, make your opponent, you know, have to take a little bit longer field. So I, I continue to like seeing that, you know, it was a short kick that Andy hit, but he hit it and he hit another one. And I have seen uh, a couple outlets talk about uh, he's having, uh, I heard someone uh, specifically say that he's having a, uh, a Jeremy Shelley uh, senior like season where he, you know, has been sort of, you know, sort of bemoaned and then goes on and has a really good uh, season. And I've heard, um, I've heard uh, or read somewhere else where they predicted that, you know, if Andy doesn't watch out, he's going to play himself into an all conference uh, uh, kick kicker position. And I thought that was pretty good. And it, it actually, and he had, he doesn't kick the long ones. And so his stats are, are a little bit impacted by this, but his, his, uh, his, his percentage accuracy percentage is higher than Auburn's uh, Carlson. And I think I was probably surprised to hear that. I was probably most surprised to hear that. But, um, I mean, I don't know. We probably don't want to run around and talk about this because that's a little jinx us. But, you know, dude's kicking pretty well. Well, you know, dude dude, uh, dude made three of five field goals in a tight Florida State game and just unfortunately missed his two from 40 to 50 yards. But since that time, he's hit three of four between 40 and 50 yards. Right. The dude's been automatic uh, under 39 yards. You know, 40 yards and in, he's been automatic. Right. So to your point, 13 of 16, you know, there's been many of years we were calling for auditions that we would have taken that. And so to be able to bring him over, to bring him in right now when we need that, we, we need someone with veteran experience to come in and get the job done. There was other guys we expected to, to to be the guy right now. He's not who we would have called to be the guy right now uh, on this roster. But right now, he's another one of those handful of guys like Bugs that, you know, <laughs> yeah, we we might need him later in the season to to make something important happen. Yeah, and so the fact that he's you know making the kicks and building confidence, we will absolutely take that all day long. We talked about early in the season there needs to be, you know. Uh, there needs to be a a, my, or a a yard marker beyond, you know, where we know at that point we have points. And at that point we're playing with house money. Uh, are we going to get the three or are we going to get the seven? But, but, you know, we know we've got sort of points in the bank. And, and early 
it, that would have been very close, right? That would have been a very, and so we sort of relaxed what that can be. And uh, it's probably about where we would want it to be now, which is good. I think that's great. And, uh, but we didn't know early in the season if we would, if we would be at this position. So I think we have to be pleased with that. Oh yeah. And to go, and to go, to go get him late, like they did. Right. I mean, that right. was huge. Yeah. And now, and now, and now it gives your, you know, now it gives your freshman who does have, you know, comes in with a lot of pub, you know, it gives him a chance to, you know, work his way into this team in the future, which is, which is a big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, next up, you know, Tommy's the bye, and, you know, it's always the most cliche thing that I say, but we got to win the bye week, and that's not getting anybody in trouble. We have less of a concern with that, I think, than we have in years past, but, you, I mean, you never know, right? And so I don't want to read Sunday morning's, you know, mail and, and, you know, find out that somebody got popped. So I think we, I think we need some good behavior on the team. Let's not beat ourselves. Uh, good, you know, productive and safe you know, weeks of practice, but, uh, you know, you know, Tom, then we got LSU coming and, you know, they've won three in a row. Uh, they're sort of feeling their oats. Uh, what, what, you know, if you kind of look around the corner, what do you think about, uh, the LSU game? You know, um, LSU has got talent, right? I mean, these, these guys, you know, most of these guys are homegrown, uh, and, you know, one of the top States in the country recruiting wise, and uh, I think despite Ed Orgeron, this team has turned it around just due to the pure talent that they have up and down their roster and uh, and the pride factor of, you know, this, this was not LSU football. And so I, I think they're kind of on autopilot right now. They're kind of driving themselves right now, to be fair. And, and also you've got two good coordinators with a lot of experience. And maybe Ed Orgeron is just staying out of the way. And, and letting the offensive coordinators do what they do, and so um, you know, I'm glad this game is at home this year, with the with the momentum that that they have uh, behind them right this second. I'm 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 really 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 glad we're not going to Death Valley at night for this football game. Yeah, um, I am too, and uh, I think it's going to be a, an electric uh, atmosphere. You know, at night, you know, at night in, in Tuscaloosa. I, you know, I agree. I think they've got, you know, I would love to be sort of a fly in the wall of their football complex over the last, you know, several weeks, right? How have things really changed? Because uh, they seem to be in significant disarray and they've turned it around. And so what really has, has contributed to that? I agree. They've got some really talented, uh, you know, coordinators. And it's interesting it would be interesting to really know the story of, of what's happening there. I think that I think they are dangerous and they are as talented probably as anyone, you know, sort of top to bottom of their roster probably is as talented as anyone will face. And, and so I, I completely agree with that. I think they've got a phenomenal running game and they've had that before and we've been able, you know, to shut that down. I think Geis is not as talented as Fournette. Uh, even though he's coming off just a monster performance against Ole Miss, it's Ole Miss. Um, I have a hard time. I have a hard time thinking that that the Alabama defense is going to struggle with Danny Etling, and and I hate to you know I hate to sort of call someone out in that way, but I just really I mean I've seen them play a couple times this year. I'm not impressed, and I just have a hard time thinking that the Alabama defense is going to struggle with that. 
and we always do well against the LSU running game. And so with a quarterback that doesn't scare us, I think we are poised to stop their running game. Um, I think their defense is going to give us trouble, and so we may we may struggle to score. Um, and I say and I say that sort of in a relative way. We've been scoring you know fifty points. I don't so we don't do that, but we continue to sort of work work the ball around, make ourselves tough to defend, and you know twenty four to ten something like that. You know maybe maybe we look human. But, you know, I think 24, 27 to 10 is, is about what I would think here. Well, you know, you know, going back to my comment about Gladys in Tuscaloosa this year, you know, I went back and looked at the schedule just going back to when Saban got here. And if you take out the year 2011, you know, where it was the lovely, boring night. Well, I won't say boring. We enjoyed it. But was you know, awesome. when you take out that nine to six, you know, overtime game mm-hmm. uh, in Bryant-Denny, Going back since Saban has been here, we have consistently beaten them by about 20 points in Tuscaloosa. And the last four times LSU's had us at home, it's been three points, four points, seven points, and ten points. Right. And so there is a definite 20-point swing having them in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Except for the one anomaly of 2011. So – I'm going to be a little more generous than you because he's he he doesn't scare me. He's not a dual uh, threat quarterback in my opinion. Um, you know, obviously by any stretch of the imagination, and and they and they don't have and, and just the versatility that we have that we've discussed on our defense is going to and our guys being fresh and you know having Deron Payne, you know, sure having all these guys more healthy now than they would have been a year ago against LSU. I, I'm, it's going to be like a 31 to 10 game, okay. And 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 you know we're gonna we're gonna kind of fit the mantra of what we've done for the past four or five games at home against them. Um, it'll be close early, and then we'll kind of put it away at the end of the game. I certainly hope you're right. I like your um, I like your score better than mine. I think you might would agree that the separation that we get is in the second half. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this this could be a fourteen to ten game at halftime, and everybody has just got their hands sitting on their hands. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. A lot of nervous energy, uh, and then we'll see sort of an explosive play, and I think the crowd goes nuts. No, I agree. Anything else you got for us uh, for the uh, for the show? You know, I've got one more thing. I you know I like the sort of ego indulgent uh, listener uh, callouts, and uh, so we got another one. I want to uh, I want to share and just you know again expression of gratitude and appreciation for people tuning in and and, and following us and not being shy about letting us know and, and leaving a comment on the iTunes. So uh, another five star uh, best Alabama football podcast. This is uh, Ross Gaskin. Uh, I wanted uh, I wanted something that gave me a more in depth analysis of Alabama football, and I couldn't have found a better podcast for it. They both really know their stuff and have great insights. It's made the game more fun to watch, and especially in garbage time, as I know more things to look for, definitely recommend to any Alabama or college football fans. So that's an awesome comment. Really, really greatly appreciate it. And uh, thanks, Ross. And, uh, you know, others out there, you know, we appreciate these. They help us in the in the rankings. And uh, sometimes it just feels nice to hear people say nice things. 
Well, man, to your point, it helps other people find us. Yes, and and that's the that's the big thing is is it really helps other people find out find us on iTunes, and uh, and and get a chance to listen and see if they like us. And so we just very much appreciate the feedback. Absolutely, thanks, Ross. Thanks everyone else who have, who has comments. And uh, if you want to get your comment read, you know, on the show and uh, and some shout out acknowledgement, then uh, head over to iTunes and uh, drop us an acknowledgement. Uh, if you're not on the iTunes, uh, drop us uh, drop us an email or uh, we've got a Facebook uh, page. You can drop us uh, some comments there as well. But Tom, I'm looking forward to the bye and um, uh, probably not as much as the players are, but I think we talked last week. The team is going into the bye probably healthier than they have been the last several years. And uh, I know you and I are probably looking, for, <laughs> looking forward to a bye as well. I uh, got to catch up on the honeydew list. Uh, at least that's what I'm doing this weekend. How about you? No, man. We uh, we'll, we'll we'll look uh, enjoy watching some other football. Maybe maybe watch a little uh, Georgia Bulldogs and check them out, and uh, do a little pre scouting, and uh, just uh, ready to come back and uh, talk about things after LSU. Absolutely. Well, hook me up, man. I'll have uh, you know uh, ring me up, man. I'll have some brown water ready to go if you want to enjoy scouting Georgia together. No, that sounds like a plan, man. Well, thanks, guys, for listening, and we look forward to uh, doing this again next week. Absolutely. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout-out, a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.